Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of Guitar Effects. Check us out. Give us your money at WestminsterEffects.com and make sure you join the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook and join in the discussion. Joining me, this is Bradley Cox, pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. And John is not with us today. We had some scheduling mishaps. So, uh, Bradley, what did we do in church this week? We did a family service, which we do every fifth Sunday. We invite the elementary age kids to join us. Um, and so they, they were in the, the whole service. And we're, we started a series called You Asked For It. A lot of churches do this sort of thing. It's not yeah. a you know, new idea or anything, but you get questions from the church mm-hmm. about anything and everything related to faith, the Bible, life, whatever. And we'll take the best ones and build sermons around them. Yep. And this week, all of the questions came from the children, from right. the elementary age <laughs> children. And I, my thought originally was I was just going to take about 10 minutes in the service and address a few of their questions and then, you know, preach more of an adult-oriented sermon. Mm-hmm. But I thought there was enough really good questions from the kids. Mm-hmm. So I just ended up building the whole sermon around their questions. I did my level best to keep it at an elementary level. Uh, mm-hmm. Tried to engage the kids almost really for the better part of the message, talking directly to them. Um, and I don't know, you would be the better judge of how well it went than me. So I don't. Yeah, I thought it went well. It was because there were so many questions that made it kind of difficult to keep up with. Maybe so. Because um, it kind of jumped all over. At, I tried at to least, create at least a theme. maybe At least maybe with my brain, because my brain is more geared toward a straight expository yeah like let me just hold open a passage and maybe flip between several which you do most of the time right so when we do these where it's more topical more topical i I typically have a have more problems taking notes stuff like that i wouldn't say problems it's probably not the best word for it but you get what i mean yeah is it's a little more difficult for me to grasp now i'm sure other people it would it was easier to grasp (laughs) well i'll tell you one cool story that came out of sunday oh yeah um i won't mention any names but there's a uh a young couple in our church and there was i don't remember exactly what family member this was but there was a family member of the husband Mm -hmm. this couple that attended for the first time yesterday and this person has just recently begun to open up to Christ. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, hot off the presses in terms of faith and doesn't really know much of anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, the father-in-law uh, of the daughter, well, the father-in-law of this, this guy, um, he he was I was in a meeting with him after church yesterday and he said he just felt like that was just if it wasn't great for the kids, it was at least great for this person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we you know, I tried to create this theme, even though the the topics kind of 
like we we went from why did God make animals to will we all be babies in heaven to why does God love us and what's the problem with sin? Right. That was kind of a synopsis of what we covered. And I tried to create this image or this thread, excuse me, that we're all made in the image of God and the sin problem, the the problem that sin creates with our purpose mm-hmm. for it, it effectively existing. turned into a gospel presentation that's that's where i tried to drive it yeah. um and so anyway he felt like that was really good and really understandable for someone mm-hmm. who was so brand new um so if nothing else maybe one person um was was reached yesterday yeah so yeah and i and obviously at res we we don't treat the kids as you're just distractions. We're just going to kind of stick you in a corner mm-hmm. most of the time. Like there's, there's legitimate teaching going on. Like there's actual right. gospel ministry. That's right. Um, as opposed to a lot of modern churches where it's just like, no, go over there and shut up. Yeah, right. <laughs> let, right. Let us do our thing. And they don't really get taught. But at the same time, like I am a fan of, including everybody because yeah. the gospel is relevant to everybody. I think there's something really cool about, you know, a church having a real family feel. Um, and I don't just mean being fa- family friendly, but I mean, having a sense that, you know, adults and kids alike, we're all part of one family, you know, um, the family of God, this is our community. And when we bring the kids in on the fifth Sunday, I feel like that, that really gets, you know, emphasized. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I always look forward to those services. And, um, you know, I, I think yesterday was good. Um, and hopefully, you know, I, 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 I just wonder sometimes like what, what goes on in the mind and heart of a child when they hear their questions legitimized mm-hmm. and, we demonstrate to them that we go to the scriptures right to answer our questions right and hopefully if we did nothing else well yesterday that that message came across yeah you also bailed me out <laughs> when my when the battery in my in-ear monitors died oh yeah yeah <laughs> i was playing guitar and all of a sudden like i i'm usually pretty vigilant about keeping my batteries relatively fresh <laughs> and you know, in the middle of the song, they just die. I was like, okay, whatever. I can deal with it for the rest of this song. Yeah. But the next song was, is he worthy? <laughs> and I got to have the click in my ears. Yeah. I saw the look of panic on your face. Yeah. So I, I quickly darted back. Yeah. To get that <laughs> Cause you, you know, even usually my worst case scenario is I have an extra battery back there. And so right. I just go up, go back there, slap it in and move on. But that is the worst feeling, I think. It really when is. When you're playing and all of a sudden that click goes away and you can't hear what you're yeah. doing. Yeah, it's tough. At first, because normally, normally at, at least in my experience, when the battery dies, the whole thing just cuts out totally mm. and there's no fade. But the first thing I noticed was that my guitar started to fade and I thought for a split second, maybe the amp was dying. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. <laughs> which, which isn't a good feeling either. Nope. nope, nope, nope. <laughs> it's like maybe a, a power tubes going out or something like that. Mm. And then, uh, it's just like, Oh no. Hey Bradley, help me out here. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. But you did good. You, you playing wise, you wouldn't have noticed. Good, good. Well, it didn't hurt that it was a fairly easy song that I know pretty well. So, yeah. uh, 
things weren't derailed too hard. Um, since we've been doing this basically for a little over a year now, and John, even though he's not on this episode, suggested, hey, let's do an Ask Us Anything uh, type of episode. So it's almost like an entire Inquisition episode. Cool. Um, so first off, to Phil, knows, to Phil Moses, no, I'm not answering your question um, <laughs> that you ask every week. <laughs> if you're in the group, you'll know what he asks every week. Uh, so we'll just move on to Brad Speed. Uh, thoughts on James Dobson's letter slash response to the border crisis. And he does acknowledge this could be its its own episode, yeah. uh, which it could. Um, we were talking about this beforehand. And even without getting into the specifics, uh, it seems both sides of the debate lack at least in the mass media, uh, lack nuance Yeah, is, is that we're saying this thing is absolutely atrocious or this thing is absolutely good. Screw them all. Send them home. Yeah. Uh, where Albert Moeller addressed this, uh, probably two months ago, I think on the briefing Mm -hmm. where a lot of these, you know, where we had this enormous crowd of people that were kind of marching toward the U S Mexico border. Um, a lot of that was spurred on, by I don't remember what country it was. It was either Venezuela or Colombia, mm. um, but one of those South American countries. And it was by a representative encouraging these people to go. And he's an avowed Marxist. Really? Uh, so there is something to be said for that. There's yeah. also something to be said for compassion. Mm-hmm. There's also something to be said for vetting these people to make sure that they're not going to be troublemakers. Like that's a legitimate mm-hmm. thing that the government should do. Yeah. Uh, so it's one of those where it's just like, there's almost no right answer. No, at least a hundred percent. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, you know, let's, I think we'd all do well to acknowledge how the media spins this, depending on who you talk to or mm-hmm. who you listen to. Yeah. If it's MSNBC, um, it's one thing. If it's Fox news, it's a totally different angle. Yeah. It's just, it's so sad to me about our country that we can't, we can't just all step back and go, this is a really complex issue. Yeah. Um, I don't think that, you know, majority of people in America are in favor of our country just having these wide open borders where anybody and everybody can come in anytime they want. Right. That we right. realize the threat that that presents, you know, not only to our safety, but our economy and basic, you know, um, provisions and whatnot that, you know, we, we think are Americans or have a right to. Um, but, or, or the human beings in general have a right to, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I guess the, I haven't been to the border. I haven't seen it. Um, depending on who I've listened to, um, you know, you get different perspectives on what the conditions are there, but the, the general sentiment seems to be that basic provisions seem to be lacking in a lot of right. cases for right. children and adults alike. And, you know, we can we can argue about this all day long, but the bottom line is we have human beings that are in detention centers at the border. Right. And, you know, I, I don't see why, you know, we we have to have this conversation about why, why you know, you, you mentioned that kids not having toothpaste. I mean, mm-hmm. there there's there there are ways in which we could 
you know keep those conditions humane if they if they indeed are not um and so yeah it's it's nuanced and the border is a big problem it's a big issue uh what to do with these people and how to help them and and what kind of conditions are they fleeing from mm-hmm. you know i mean right. yeah are there criminals and drug dealers and whatever you know trump likes to tout all that stuff about those are the people that are coming mm-hmm. but that's not all the people that are coming right some of them are fleeing real danger for their lives and so that's it's a nuanced thing right i think i think it would be helpful to even go to like in terms of talking about the people being detained or whatever let's just jump to the most extreme example of something like guantanamo bay right where you know by and large those are islamic extremist terrorists who have largely been caught in the act now i i know there's nuance in uh within the discussion on the war war on terror and all that in the first place however even those people are made in the image of God. And yep. Jesus said to love your enemies. And that doesn't mean that we, you know, mm. cut them a check for $50,000 and let them go. Right, right. <laughs> but it does mean that we treat them with dignity mm-hmm. because they are made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And, and really the ultimate goal uh, for somebody, I don't know how this would happen at all, but somebody should be trying to convert them, right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> As opposed to just saying, you know, screw these guys, you know, uh, kill them all, let God sort them out. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's really the most scriptural approach to a foreign policy uh, mm-hmm. stance. Yeah, 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 I agree. So uh, let's move on to a little more fun <laughs> Fun question. Jared Hartley asks, uh, Scandinavian praise metal, you can YouTube it. How far can we go with it in Sunday school or I guess you could say in Sunday worship before it becomes a church discipline issue? <laughs> um and I guess I guess you could you could take I've never this. listened to Scandinavian praise metal. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 the most extreme forms of metal. Okay, being used I think in Norway and Finland, Sweden, uh, as the church is the church's congregational worship. Wow, like just blast beats and shredding guitars and you know you know helicoptering their hair around. <laughs> Stuff like that, um, wow. which, which I I guess kind of gets into the question of how far should you go with culturally relevant music in a church service? Is is how far do you go with that? If you are if you're in the heart of Texas, uh, do you have you know like Spangles and Bangles country music? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're in Harlem. Do you have an R&B flavor or something like that? Yeah. Um, Scandinavia is very well known for its extreme forms of metal where even even to the point where I know this is getting into the non-Christian aspects. But, you know, um, some of the extreme American metal bands talk about terrible things you know maybe mm-hmm. burning a church mm-hmm. the scandinavian metal bands actually do burn the churches really? wow <laughs> like they they are nuts um and there's even stories that i'm not even gonna repeat on the mm-hmm. podcast that are so extreme so i think it's a discernment thing ultimately well let me ask you because you i don't listen to metal sure um i don't have anything against it necessarily i just it's not my it's not my flavor but right you do so I'll ask, I'll pose the question to you. 
can could you worship in spirit and in truth to mm-hmm. Scandinavian metal? Sure. Like if you put, you could. Yeah. So te- you, yeah, your mind and heart could engage with that. I think so. I think it would, you know, not to get into the genre weeds too hard, but it would probably have to be something more along the lines of a symphonic metal where it's, you know, they have more clean vocals than, you know, the deep guttural growls and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that would probably help more. Uh, like maybe I could, but I, 99% of the people at res couldn't, right. They'd just be shell shocked. Yeah. They wouldn't know what to do. (laughs) And I guess that to me, it's like, you know, we've talked about this before, you know, I, I came through the worship wars of, of, and it, it was all about contemporary versus traditional. Right. Choruses versus hymns. Those were the terms we used back in the late nineties. And, you know, that's sort of, you know, gone away now and at least for the most part. But, you know, my thing has always been, can I worship? Can I, I mean, when the church gathers and I'm, I'm really jealous for gatherings these days, right? Like I, I can worship anytime, any place, anywhere on my own, but there is something special and unique about gathering with other believers mm-hmm. and glorifying God. And, and he did kind of promise that he would show up. That's right. I mean, it's, it's, I'm je- and I'm jealous for that. Not only because Jesus promised to be there. Uh, and I do believe the spirit moves in a unique way, but it, at least in the West, you know, where we are, uh, and I'm sure it's true in other parts of the world, you know, the the ability for believers to gather seems to be coming hard seems to be becoming harder mm-hmm. uh not and it's not always because of persecution or resistance it's because of you know cultural values and people you know the, people just seem to be more scattered these days yep. um and and we the church seems to gather less frequent um than it has in years past or generations past. And so when we gather and we worship, I think we need to maximize it. I think we need to be very intentional about what we do and how we do it for the sake of people being able to engage in Mm -hmm. heart, soul, mind, body, in worshiping and glorifying God in the corporate setting. And if you can do that with Scandinavian metal, I couldn't. Right, right. Like, Like I wouldn't go to that church not because I'm protesting their style of worship, but because I want to make sure that every time I'm in church worshiping with believers that I'm able to worship. And I just don't know that I could do that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's that's not saying that it in and of itself is good or bad, the style. But, you know, yeah. that would be my thing. I mean, and I don't I hope that answer doesn't sound like a cop out. Right. No, I, I don't think it does. Now, to add even more nuance, I think. Uh, while I probably could worship to uh, a more extreme form of metal being used in, in a congregational church service, I'm also, you know, as as a guitar geek, I'm going to be paying attention to that stuff, too. Mm. Oh, man, that guy just killed that solo or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, here I am hitting the stand, the mic mm. stand again. So um, disregard, well, it, disregard it, the springy noises. And, and that's a good point. I mean, you know, a few years ago, I went to a... Um, uh, a funeral mm-hmm. and at this funeral it was the, the funeral was held at a very traditional church and this doesn't happen very often at funerals that I go to but there was congregational singing at the funeral yep and it was very simple it was 
I think a piano, maybe an organ. I don't really remember, but everybody got out the hymn books. We yep. sang some really great hymns. And what was accentuated was the voices, was the people singing. Right. And it kind of brought back to my mind one of the things that I think is really important about worship is that we don't get too band heavy. Mm-hmm. It's not that the instrumentalists are not important. They are. I mean, yep. the, the Psalms yep. are clear about praising the Lord on the even, harp. And, even the bassist. Exactly. So I'm all for, I'm all for guitar solos and, you know, instrumental breaks where the, in, you know, the, those who are playing instruments get to use their gift to glorify God. Mm-hmm. And that gets emphasized. I'm all for that. But I think we also need to emphasize the corporate singing. Right. Um, and I feel like the style we do at Res, which is not traditional per se. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also not strictly modern. It's not strictly it's modern either. That's right. And, and we tend to not do songs that we feel like are not going to lend its lend themselves to congregational singing. Right. We, we, that's one of the ways we evaluate songs is, are people going to be able to sing with us? Right. Yes, we could perform this song and we could probably do it really well and have a good time doing it. Mm-hmm. And maybe even the band and praise team would be able to engage in worship with it. Yep. And there might even be people in the congregation worshiping. There might be a few. But if the whole, if we feel like musically, rhythmically, it's not going to be, there's not an easy on-ramp for people to engage yep. with the song, mm-hmm. we don't do it. And that would be one question I have about Scandinavian metal um, <laughs> and, and and maybe for people that are used to that style of music that's not a right. problem I don't right. know so right okay one more song and then we'll hit our uh, let's pay some bills break um, favorite song to play at the moment or ever favorite in church song. In church. In church. In church. Because okay. you, you always, <laughs> you always, you do always play that Tupac riff when you sit down at a piano. <laughs> it's not Tupac. It's Bruce Hornsby. <laughs> For those that don't know, he's talking about the song that Bruce Hornsby wrote, The Way It Is, and Tupac stole the piano riff. <laughs> um, I think the technical term is sampled. Sampled. Right? <laughs> um Anyway, uh, so the question, what's my favorite song to play or sing in church right now? Um, first one that comes to mind is Mighty Cross. That's what I thought you were going to say. Um, I like it, Is He Worthy, too. Yep, same here. Um, because I really love the words, um, uh, the lyrics of the song. Um I really enjoyed leading Living Hope the other week. Mm. Um, I like that song a lot. It feels like a hymn to me. Yeah. So I'd, I'd say those three. It does. Yeah, with, with Is He Worthy, we had a, since we played that yesterday, it was and Kristen played bass, my wife, for those of you who don't know, and um, one of our friends was kind of complaining about the song, which, you know, we, we, we're open enough here that you can complain about a song. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I've definitely done it in the past. And uh, she she was kind of trying to equate it to Mary, did you know? It's like, we know the answer. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but in the song, it says, is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and, uh, and Kristen goes... The whole song is pretty much scripture. That's right. <laughs> like that pretty much automatically makes it a good song. Yeah, that's true. I mean, 
Mary, did you know? Like, that one's just dumb. It's just cheesy. she was literally it's told cheesy. It's just cheesy. <laughs> she did know. They literally the angel literally told her. But uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you on uh, on is he worthy? Um, I've been enjoying uh, taste and see. What is that? Psalm thirty four. Psalm thirty four. Yeah, I love um, that. I get to do a lot of stuff that I don't normally get to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I do enjoy Mighty Cross a lot. That there's just no way around it. That's a fun song to play. Yep. Um, and then what a beautiful name is, beautiful is, name. is definitely up there for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, the lyrics are really good, but I also get to have a lot of fun and my arm almost falls off mm-hmm. at the end because yep. yep. it's just like, what is it? Straight 16th notes yep. for like a minute and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, like drive stacking over overdrive uh pedals is kind of the big thing with worship mm-hmm. music you know instead of just having one or the other it's it's you have both of them set kind of low right so then you run them into each other you get more textures i end up with four overdrive pedals on and a clean boost and obviously delay since that's kind of standard but i also have all three of my reverbs on <laughs> so it's just this wall you're um, above my pay grade now <laughs> It's, it, I, and I kind of stumbled on that accidentally where it's just like, how, how can I make this part as intense as yep. possible? And that's just what I landed on. I really like the ambient stuff you do at the beginning of Is He Worthy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, that, that, yeah, I really, I, I, and I got to really, because the first time, that's the second time we've done that song? I think so. The first time we did that song, I was playing right. something. I don't remember. Maybe bass. Yeah. Um, but yesterday I got to sit out in the audience and I really liked that ambient stuff yeah. at the beginning. Well, that was, I think, if I, if I remember correctly, I was trying to follow the Worship Initiative's tutorial a little more strictly the first time yeah. for the intro. And they're doing like true harmonics and stuff. Hmm. And so I actually ended up playing more yesterday yeah. than, than I normally it was good. do. It where was, it was really good. a lot of swells and stuff like that. So. It was really good. Well, thanks. Does God run out of patience? How do we bridge the gap between understanding and application of Scripture? How do I deal with my kids who have left the faith? Does God forget our sin? Join the discussion on all these topics and more on the All 7 Days podcast, where Stan, who also happens to be my dad, and Trevor take your questions and answer them from the perspective of a couple of church members just having a discussion about spiritual matters. Subscribe to the All 7 Days podcast today on Apple, Google, Spotify, Overcast, or your other favorite podcast listening platform and check out all7days.com. Okay, back to our listener questions celebrating a year of the Doxology podcast from Stan Fields, who is my dad and 
Bradley, you appear once a month on his podcast, which yep. I think we just had an ad for. Uh, is it a sin for the bass player to use the bottom two strings? What's the deal with all these runs I see in the bass players only use, using the top two strings? <laughs> That's pretty much all I ever play is the bottom two strings on bass. I have one little pattern. I'm not a bass. Like, you just strength. transpose it for the key, right? right. <laughs> like I am not a bass player. Um you know, I I get by yeah. when needed. You're actually playing bass next Sunday, right? Maybe. I'm not really sure. <laughs> you haven't checked Planet I haven't Center. checked. I mean, I, Aaron sends me requests and I accept them. And then, you know, some point before Sunday, I look. <laughs> what I was, but um, that's also don't how I follow my example, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, but, I, I treat bass as half of a week off. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You know, I have one little riff where I can get to the bottom two strings and, um, you know, I probably overplay that riff <laughs> too much, but I get it's okay. so bored. It's okay. It's on bass. Two, right? It's on bass. Nobody hears it. <laughs> yeah. Though then in, guys that can, guys that can use those all four or five or six strings, man, I'm, I'm so impressed with I think, I think bass is one of the coolest instruments that. It, it, when somebody's really, you know, an expert at it, it I, I enjoy it so much. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know? I mean, I love good bass riffs. I had a friend in college that um, he was he, he wasn't the best bass player that we, we, you guys remember. He was on the podcast, Seth Kane. Mm -hmm. He was Anglican, um, I don't know, priest, rector, whatever. Uh, whatever you know. they call him. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he was not the best bass player that I've ever played with right but he was so creative with bass hmm. like you know he technically speaking in terms of chops he was just i've played with people that could do more but he had such a melodic way of playing the bass and a lot of times he would he would go down and grab you know one or two of the bottom two strings and and include it just you know, i don't know like there was a there was a band that formed while we were in college that he got asked to play bass for and they wrote some songs and the songs were okay at best mm -hmm. uh, and that you can actually listen to the album on spotify in fact i have a little piano um part in one of the songs oh, nice. on the album um but it's the album's by a band called filet of soul and i think the title is incommunicado i'm not sure but um it hit the bass riffs the bass is actually played by a guy named randy chester on that album but all of the bass riffs were written by seth kane oh okay and they're just so cool um and so yeah i i love it when a bass player knows what to do with all the strings yeah because i mean i i describe my my own bass playing how you describe when you play acoustic where you say that you're a banger i'm just a banger like I, that's all i can do on bass is yeah. you know my punk roots come out when yeah. i play bass it's yeah. you know let's just hammer out some root notes and call it a day but there is there, <laughs> there is something even though you know at our level of ability bass can be a little boring when somebody's really good it's not mm -hmm. but at our level it is but um there is something oddly satisfying when you lock in with a drummer oh yeah even if you're playing yeah. the most simple thing when you're just, when you're locked in on that kick pattern yeah and it's just bumping it's like running your hands through the sand or something <laughs> just so <laughs> satisfying <laughs> okay uh john Lorbacher uh asks what is your favorite westminster pedal and why 
Do you do you have one? <laughs> well, it was the Piper Drive because of our story where you gave one to Piper. Right, We've told right, that before. Right. Um, but now I would say because of the Chick-fil-A saga, <laughs> it's the Chick-delay. <laughs> Which I'm using one of those coupons for lunch today. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Um, let's see. It's 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 not like picking a favorite kid because there are legitimately some Westminster pedals I don't use on a regular basis just because I don't need them. Right. Um, you know, like it, this might irritate some. I actually don't use the chick delay. Um, I don't have it on my board because I, one, it's really crowded in the first place. And two, um, I typically for my washi stuff use more reverb instead of more delay. Um, probably the Osteen distortion. Yeah, that's uh, one, a cool one. one because it does get a good chuckle. Yeah. Um, and two because it's my go-to for high gain stuff and mm. being a metalhead. Um, now, in terms of stuff, I wish would get more attention uh, would be the Puritan, which I think I I did use it a little bit yesterday on the really big parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you know, being the only electric guy, I wanted to fill out more space mm-hmm. and get more oomph out of it and uh and that's just a really fun overdrive pedal that if you let it it'll tear your face off mm-hmm. <laughs> in a church setting yeah but you can also back it off and stack mm-hmm. it pretty well so there's my answer cool. uh john lorbacher also asks also why are you a continuationist <laughs> so I mean, this this is also, I think, one of those conversations that needs more nuance because so often, like you look at uh, John MacArthur with the strange fire thing, mm-hmm. uh, there was there were some very good points that he made, uh, like in regards to a. Uh, like overly repetitive worship music uh, that was basically aiming to put people in a trance and that kind of stuff. And and he took shots at stuff like new age practices in the church. Like that stuff needs to be torn down. Absolutely. It but I, I do think he went too far with well, some stuff. I, you call it too far or call it bringing into the continuationist cessationist debate things that aren't relative. Sure. Yeah, because in my opinion, repetitive music and the flourish that often accompanies the Mm -hmm. uh, charismatic Pentecostal movement is 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 almost in a separate category in my mind from the biblical discussion about whether or not the Holy Spirit is active in giving gifts to believers for the benefit of the body. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that that's where I think people, they struggle so much to have biblically intelligent conversations about this because they, we, we have to navigate around all of the, you know, just the, the charismatic, you know, crazy stuff that has gone on for the last hundred sure. years and the way that people have uh, in churches and movements have tried to create experiences and then leverage those experiences onto the scripture and create doctrines out of them. Right. That's problematic. But, but if, if we zoom out and we simply go, why, if you, if you want to ask me the question, why am I a continuationist? The answer would simply be because the Bible leads me there. Sure. The Bible leads me to conclude mm-hmm. that the Holy Spirit is still active to work supernaturally in the lives of believers for the benefit of the whole, mm-hmm. for the benefit of the whole body, the whole church, the whole kingdom. And uh, I think the Bible points me towards a, a, if I, if as a Christian, 
I'm invited to live Jesus's kind of life. If we could agree biblically that that is what the new covenant invites us into, Mm -hmm. then I, as I read the scriptures, all of the gospels and all of the epistles, Paul's letters, I'm left to conclude that my expectation should be a vibrant, active, you know, person, the Holy Spirit that indwells me doing stuff, wanting to make Mm -hmm. himself known in order to glorify Christ. Right. Um, And one of the ways he does that is through gifts. Right. You know, and gifts are not natural abilities that we cannot make that argument Mm -hmm. biblically that gifts are natural abilities. I can communicate to a crowd of people. That's a natural ability that I have, but that is not the spiritual gift of teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, I, that, I don't know if if that's where that question is coming from, um, but you know there are just there are a host of scriptures. I, I think, think I think, think the burden of proof is on the cessationists, yeah, I and I don't think John MacArthur even mm-hmm. you know if he was sitting in this room, I would say this humbly because I recognize how much smarter he is than me, how much more well read and well versed in the scripture he is than me. But I just have yet to hear a biblical argument that makes sense that the gifts have ceased. I right. just don't see it. And I, I think there's room for in the discussion for some of the, I don't think they have necessarily, uh, but some of them, that, I think that's more of the classical continu- or cessationist argument is that some of the gifts have ceased. Um, so then you could even look at stuff like, uh, what is it? Second Corinthians 12. Paul talks about the signs of an apostle. Well, we don't, you could even make the argument. We don't have apostles. So then that could technically, we don't have apostles anymore because they're all dead. Yeah. So then those signs wouldn't be active simply because that would be apostolic. So technically you could be a cessationist. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. But well, in, in, yeah, I, but it, I know you're the, joking. In the, but in the strictest definition I think we need new terms for the discussion, honestly. Well, and that's a good point. Um, that, I mean, that that might be helpful because I, I don't think the the I, I do think the apostolic authority that Paul had, Peter had, John had that 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 was for a specific time. Right. And but what's true of the New Testament that I don't really hear a lot of people talk about when when they're you know advocating for cessationism is that there were second generation believers if you will that mm-hmm. were not apostles yeah that operated in the power of the spirit you read Galatians 3 mm-hmm. and Paul seeing his like the way he talks to the Galatians is like there there's just this obvious experience that they've had with the Holy Spirit that he points to and uses that to reinforce that this whole, th- you know, thing com- com- comes about by faith, not by works. What does he use to get them away from this works-based um, preaching that has come into Galatia is he uses their experience with the Holy Spirit in Galatians yep. 3. Did you re- did you not receive the Spirit, mm-hmm. you know, by faith and not works? You know, I mean, I just, um, I can't see where we come to the conclusion that the Holy Spirit has become inactive supernaturally. Sure. I, just, I just don't see it. Sure. So, 
another thing where we need more nuance. <laughs> maybe more nuance, but maybe I think what you said is true. Maybe we need new terms. Yeah. Maybe we need to create categories where we're able to separate from the discussion all of the extremes of the Pentecostal charismatic movement that I think just cloud the argument. Right, right. Uh, last question, and we'll be done with it. Least favorite, or this is from me, least favorite or most annoying phrases common to church culture? It's a new season. Whew. Also, yes. Like that just... Oh. <laughs> Well, that that one's really common among the Word of Faith crowd, isn't it? It is, and that's probably why I hate it so much. It just yeah. it, it it it's leveraged, you know. <laughs> like I used to, I had this pastor uh, friend that you know he used to always turn Hallelujah into a question. You know, like he would <laughs> um, he'd be preaching, and be like Hallelujah, like trying to go invoke a response right. from the audience, and I think you know it's a new season or you're about to enter into a new season and well mm-hmm. it, it that that gets used a lot in the word of faith to Stuff generate a reaction destiny and all yeah that kind of nonsense. Just, yeah yeah i think probably the one that irritates me the most is is in this place <laughs> as as opposed to somewhere else like i I'm, like that's kind of inferred like right. yes god we ask you to move in this in this place what <laughs> it just seems superfluous to me. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, stand to your feet, oh, as yeah. opposed to standing yeah. on your hands. <laughs> or stand... <laughs> oh, we could go on this all day. Yeah, we could. This uh, could be an entire episode. Yeah, if, you, if we're short on show material. Did you see? Let's just did you see the phrases in the church? Did you see the Babylon Bee uh, recently? That was something about. How, how many times somebody said just in their prayer? Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. Yeah, we need shot callers for some people for that for, for that word in a prayer. That's true. Or Father God. Father God. Father God. <laughs> Father God. Or, uh, oh, man, I had one and it just left me. Oh, man. Oh, you know what? This might step on some toes. I really can't stand when people refer to God as daddy. Yeah. It's creepy. That gets weird. That gets weird. It ends up with like Jesus is my boyfriend kind of stuff. And yeah, Uh, Yeah. you got anything to recommend this week? Babylon B. The Babylon. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I didn't think about it. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Uh, Jesse Harper and I went to, uh, and I've told you this, but the listeners obviously haven't heard. We went to this hole in the wall uh, Mm -hmm. books, used Christian bookstore in Anderson, South Carolina, about an hour away. And I picked up The Impeccable Christ by W.E. Best. It was published in the 70s. Really short book. And I I just kind of dove into it last night. Mm. Really good so far. And, um, I mean, it's it's hammering on the inability of Jesus to sin when he was on earth, because if, right. if he could have sinned, then that means that God could have sinned uh, really kind of gets into the hypostatic union. You can't divide the natures within the person. Do you know that oh, one of our elementary school children asked the question? I probably should have included this oh, yesterday. Oh, man. This asked can be an question, addendum for next how week. Did God, I think this is the way it was written, how did God make, create Jesus 
unsinable, and it was it was spelled funny too. Right, like, like right. It was U B L E at the end. It was one of those where you can kind of tell that he's getting he's getting there. He's getting there. It was you're like not, you're not going to condemn him as an Aryan. <laughs> no, but it, it, it was spelled U B L E. And how did God create Jesus unsinable? And I I looked at that one and I thought, wow. I mean, for a kid right. to be thinking like that, and obviously I would have had to break that down. You know, God didn't create Jesus, and um, and and there there's this complex, you know, truth about you know Jesus' existence is that he was able to be tempted, but not able to sin. Right, and 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 to be genuinely tempted, yep, without being able to sin is like it's hard for us to wrap our minds around, and I. Quite honestly, I, I wasn't sure how to explain that to a child, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know. I might need to follow up and find out who that kid was because I just thought that was fantastic for a kid to yeah, be asking. Yeah, there, there's an illustration in the very first chapter of the preface of this book talking about how a lot of people be like, well, you know, he was legitimately tempted and he could have sinned. He's like, no, no, no. It's 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 like a chihuahua attacking a lion. Right. It's right. a legitimate attack, but. The Chihuahua's not going to win that fight. Right. <laughs> He's going to have a bad time. Right, right, right. So then you could have gotten into the why God created animals. <laughs> there you go. I mean, yeah, it, it, that, I just thought that was great that a kid's thinking at that level. Oh, I mean, yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess the kid could have been asking, how is it that Jesus never sinned? Right. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, you'd have which to is, sit which down. is a fantastic question. It's a great question. And that, that gets into, you know, uses of the law and, mm. and uh, imputed righteousness mm. and active and passive obedience, all that kind of good and stuff. And Jesus' dependence on the Spirit. Also, yes. I mean, listeners, well, I, here's recommended reading. Go read the Gospel of Luke. And if you haven't never done this, read the Gospel of Luke in its entirety and make note of every place where we get the indication that Jesus was depending on the Spirit, Mm -hmm. genuinely depending on the Spirit. Yes, he was not able to sin, but he genuinely depended on the Spirit for everything. Right. Uh, And that is, you know, and even to hear from Hebrews that he offered himself by the Spirit. Yep. Yep. So, yep, there's recommended reading. Very cool. So follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Make sure you leave a five-star review. And you support the show at anchor.fm, anchor.fm, where you can uh, donate money and help us improve. The first five people who pledge to donate $10 a month for a year get a Piper Drive version two. We have one more of those spots left. And make sure you hit us up at westminstereffects.com. Since I talked about it earlier, here is a demo of the Puritan. Go buy one. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, today we're going to talk about the Puritan from Westminster Effects. The Puritan's inspired by a cranked AC style amp. This pedal has good mid-range and it's great for those lead lines. It stacks really well It can be used as a third or even a fourth stage overdrive distortion. This pedal is not transparent at all. You're really going to like it.
Puritan has three controls, a gain, a volume, and a tone. So let's back off the gain, turn up the volume, and check this out. So now let's put the pedal through its paces. Let's turn the gain up, turn the tone up, and back off the volume just a bit. 